You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. Tens of thousands of British Columbians remain in the dark this weekend after Thursday's powerful windstorm. And BC Hydro is warning some of them will likely remain without power even on Christmas Day. Julia Foy has the latest on the effort to get them back on the grid. The echo of chainsaws can be heard across BC as the mayhem from Thursday's storm continues. Five trees on the road with live wires. We've got 34 homes there that are isolated right now, cannot get in or out. We've got McCoy Lake Road with live wires down, dozens of homes affected. We've got Wadi's Road with live wires on the road and wires pulled out of a house by trees falling. Um, it's just a mess all over the reserve. Thousands of residents on Vancouver Island are still without power and in many cases out of their homes. I was outside watching the big maple drop when this one came down so I had to dive underneath the overhang. Oh god it was chaos. There was branches flying everywhere and hitting the windows. Um, this tree came down um, on top of the house. There's a tree down on his house as well. Things are pretty bleak here. On many of the Gulf Islands, residents are struggling to stay warm and stay fed as gas for generators runs low and food starts to spoil. Um, but a lot of people don't have a fireplace or a wood stove. Um, so I really feel for those people, especially the elderly here who, who, who can't warm their homes. I mean, that's really uh, a dire situation to be in. Many homeowners in Metro Vancouver are still in the dark. Margaret, an 86-year-old South Surrey resident, just got her power back on after four chilly days. They were out walking their dog and discovered I didn't have any power, so she came with a big thermos of tea, and I'm telling you, it was like gold. <laughs> BC Hydro says it has over 800 people working to restore power across the province, but it may be several more days or weeks before everyone gets their lights back on. It's not just a case of putting up lines because there are literally hundreds and hundreds of power poles that have been knocked down, thousands of trees down blocking roads, and over 170 transformers uh, have been destroyed. Farnworth says Hydro is optimistic power will be restored in Metro Vancouver and in Nanaimo by Christmas Day. But for others, this could be a holiday to bundle up for. Julia Foy, Global News. A Vancouver bike shop is gutted after an alley fire spread into the building. Bikes and blades on Denman Street in the West End now dripping with water damage. Fire broke out in a lane at the back of the wood frame shop this morning. Firefighters quickly put it out, but the flames had already entered the building, spreading into the walls and along the roof. Up to 50 firefighters battled the three-alarm blaze, which also affected neighboring businesses and at least one home. No one was inside the bike store or the upstairs home, and it's unclear how that fire started. The fire has uh, proceeded to go up along the roof, around the walls, along the roof line. As you can see, this is a, an older building, so there's lots of rentals and void spaces, making these fires difficult to put out. The damage is quite extensive to the bike shop. The whole roof line has been affected, as well as uh, we've managed to save most of the contents of the convenience store, and the suites upstairs will not be habitable for some time. One of the vehicles that police were looking for in connection with the murder of a Surrey teen has now been found. Earlier this month, the family of Kieran Desi made an emotional appeal for information on the 19-year-old's homicide. Police also released video of two vehicles that are believed to be connected to the case. 
On Saturday, police said they had recovered the Audi Q7 SUV. They're still looking for a dark gray Dodge Ram truck. In August 2017, Desi's body was found inside a burning vehicle in Surrey. She had received a life-saving kidney transplant just six months before she was killed. No one has been arrested. A retired sergeant with the Abbotsford Police Department has died after a head-on crash on Vancouver Island this weekend. The crash happened just before 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Police say two pickup trucks collided on Cedar Road near the Cedar Bridge. One of the drivers was killed. Two passengers were airlifted to hospital. So far, no word on what may have caused the crash. Well, as other family members... Abbotsford Police confirm retired Sergeant Schinder Kirk was killed. He was a spokesperson for Abbotsford Police as well as the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit and the Integrated Gang Task Force. He spoke often about gang violence on the Lower Mainland. So we are able. My condolences to the family. Uh, you know, he's a, someone who is very much part of the Abbotsford community, and it's a very tragic loss at this time. It's just tragic. And CFSEU issued a statement saying, quote, despite Schinder leaving in 2012, his time with the unit left a lasting mark. His professionalism, dedication and passion for making our communities safe from gang violence was exceptional, adding we will miss him. When it comes to smash-and-grab break-ins, even secure parkades are not immune. Owners of one condo garage in Burnaby say it's been targeted for years. But when a Grinch struck earlier this week, he left some key evidence behind before making off with items intended to help those most in need get through Christmas. Here's Kristen Robinson. So it looks like he used some bolt cutters to, to just to crush them and, and break them open. A thief busting the bars to squeeze through the brand new security gate of Norm Leach's condo building. It comes and goes in, in clusters of, of break-ins and thefts. Criminals repeatedly finding a way to steal almost anything from vehicles in this Burnaby parkade. The identity of the culprits, mostly a mystery until now. I must have watched it 20 times. I thought, wow. Early on December 19th, a suspicious man scopes out the back of a car unaware its owner recently installed a dash cam. And he put his face right in the camera, which is like, okay, brilliant. The suspect then captured smashing a window and grabbing two bags of groceries. It was infuriating and frustrating and a bit of outrage. The non-perishable items taken, a young girl's donation to her daycare's food drive. Stealing other people's Christmas presents and, and food bank donations. That's pretty sad. It's not worth it. There's not much in here. Everybody knows not to keep anything valuable in their cars. The Strata president says repairs from the petty thefts cost more than the actual losses. And this test of surveillance might push them to invest in security cameras. We have good pictures of him. He's going to get caught. He's going to get charged. And... I don't know, was it worth it for two bags of groceries? Kristen Robinson, Global News. A search was held for the second straight day in Delta looking for any sign of a missing woman. Members of Surrey Search and Rescue have been looking in an area near Burns Bog. Chewy Ching Ho was reported missing Friday. Her family says she needs daily medication and her disappearance is unusual. She speaks Cantonese and limited English. She's in her early 60s and has a mole on the right side of her mouth. If you see her, call Delta Police. 
Tonight, we are hearing for the first time from one of the victims of a fiery crash on the Burrard Bridge. A year ago, a sports car collided with a taxi, the cab driver and passenger making it out thanks to a good Samaritan. Tanya Beja has the latest on the long road to recovery for the cabbie. How are you feeling now? I'm feeling all right. Larry Claypool has good reason to celebrate. Well, I'm thankful to be alive. Uh, it's been a very difficult year, of course. Claypool is turning 70, a milestone he wasn't sure he would make. I've learned no matter how strong you are, just how fragile we all are as well. One year ago, he was driving a taxi across the Burrard Street Bridge when an oncoming sports car lost control, colliding with the cab. The vehicles went up in flames. The Audi driver died. Claypool and his passenger were seriously injured. I can remember when the accident happened and he was going in for surgery um, and just thinking like, if anybody's going to be able to get through this, it's going to be him. Claypool just left hospital last month after 14 surgeries to repair a list of broken bones and damaged organs. He was left paralyzed and suffered a stroke. I said to him, you're just incredible. Chris, he said, a tiger, whether injured or not, is still a tiger. And that just defines Larry for me. He credits his close friends and above all his daughter Nerina for coming to his side through the recovery. I am so thankful that you made it through those first early stages. We were estranged for many years and now I think we both have the relationship we both always wanted. Claypool also wants to meet the good Samaritans who pulled him from the burning wreckage and saved his life. I owe him, I owe him a lot. I can only say thanks ever so much. He's writing a novel and plans to hit another milestone. Here's to another 20 years of my Tanya Beja, Global News. Welcome back to the News Hour. Petronas, a partner in the country's first LNG export project, is cutting production because natural gas prices in Western Canada are so low right now. The Malaysian company has been curtailing production by between 50 and 200 million cubic feet per day from wells in northeastern BC. Now, those wells are capable of producing 700 million cubic feet per day. Petronas has a 25% interest in the $40 billion LNG Canada project. The partners in the project agreed to go ahead with it this fall, but is not expected to begin shipping natural gas until 2023 at the earliest. Squamish RCMP have busted a major illegal pot operation. Officers searched a barn in the upper Squamish Valley where they found what they say is a 1,500 plant grow-up along with an active butane honey oil operation. It uses high-end equipment to alter cannabis with organic solvents, including butane. The operation is considered illegal under the Cannabis Act. A man from Squamish was arrested. In the wake of a year of extreme flooding in the Okanagan, some of it suspected to be caused by uphill development, people in West Kelowna are voicing concerns about a proposed development that could potentially affect other properties in the area. Global's Jules Knox reports on why residents are worried and what the developer has to say. This steep bank is slated for development. More than 30 single-family houses could be built on the land in West Kelowna. 
This is the area that's going to be developed here. But neighbors have concerns. We don't believe it will be safe as is being presented at this stage, so we're very concerned about that. One of the main concerns, that the Benedict development is happening near a known slide area. We're very concerned the land will slip in this area, which will not be, uh, obviously it will threaten the houses down below, in particular Casaloma Resort. At the bottom of the hill and at the mercy of upslope development, Casaloma Resort is also worried about flooding from above if natural underground streams are disturbed by digging during construction. We have had in the past, uh, on at least two occasions, land slippage into our parking lot from the upland property. But Connect Development says it plans to stay away from the slide area, at least for now. We're not going close to proposing any sort of development in the near future. We just want to get this um, subdivision done uh, to provide some housing for folks in West Kelowna. Another concern voiced by residents, that the access road is too narrow. Benedict has always been a dead-end street, very narrow, narrower than most streets. And the idea is to keep it narrow, but now this road will service another 36 houses connecting up to Benedict. The city recently held a public hearing and says it has heard residents' concerns. We are in discussions with the applicant right now. It's going to take them some time to sort of digest and work through some of the concerns that the public brought forward. To get the go-ahead, the project still needs to pass through two more readings at City Council. The developer says its application has been before West Kelowna's council for some time, and it's hoping to start construction as early as this summer if it can get the project approved and the zoning and development permits in place. Jules Knox, Global News, West Kelowna. Well, just two days before Christmas and the usual scramble is on at malls all over B.C. And if they seem even busier this year, you might be right. A recent survey has found that Canada Post parcel delays are driving some shoppers offline and back into stores. Grace Key reports. It's two days before Christmas and the pressure is on for last-minute shoppers. At Metro Town Mall in Burnaby, seasoned shoppers arrive with a game plan. How long did it take you to get parking? Parking, once again, if you know where to park, I can't give out all those details. Uh, you should be okay, but if you come in late, then yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> did you buy presents for each other yet? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> He's honestly last. While well, some are picking up some last-minute items, others have left it all to the end. So how many in total are you shopping for? I think if you count everybody, including our families and friends, probably like 15 people. It looks like more Canadians are shopping both off and online for deals, but a new study shows the Canada Post strike did shake things up a bit this holiday season. You know, people are getting more friction with their deliveries. They're either late or they're, uh, they're, they're in error uh, for online shopping. And we're sort of predicting that there's going to be a little creep back into people relying on physical stores. Shopping isn't the only thing left to the last minute. Give this to Kayleen Carson. But she didn't want it. Two hours in line for a picture with Santa can start to take its toll. Oh, you're the hero of as the day. As always. <laughs> when Logan, Christine and five-year-old Chloe finally got to the front of the line, Santa needed a break. We actually thought we were going to get in before the sign went up, but I guess not. So that's okay, though. At least we were right here. As long as I don't move, I'm fine. You've got one more shopping day left before Christmas. And if you're still in the spirit for shopping, get ready for Boxing Day. Grace Key, Global News. 
Just before we get to Yvonne and an early look at the forecast, take a look at this. The city of White Rock isn't the only waterfront community cleaning up after Thursday's windstorm. This is what Shelter Island Marina in Richmond looks like now. The storm ripped apart a dock, boat sank, while others were sent into the rocks. Quite a cleanup operation there. Hopefully no more significant wind in the forecast. At least it seized off. It was very yeah. windy uh, last night. We did see the snow for interior sections, uh, but a nice break now as we approach the evening hours and in towards our Monday for those who plan on being out tomorrow and doing some last-minute shopping. Um, here's a glance, though, right now at the satellite and radar. We're still looking at a bit of moisture, most of it quite isolated and light, towards the southern tip of Vancouver Island. We're seeing it towards the southwestern corners of the metro Vancouver. It'll be light if we do see any, but there are some sunny breaks, and of course, I will have your Christmas Day forecast coming up very shortly. So we had snow last year on Christmas, and we could be getting the other S-word this year. Yes, absolutely. So we'll have more on that. All right, we'll see you in a few. <laughs> Important game for the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, it's a big one. It's been a fun Sunday in the NFL. A lot of playoff implications in a lot of games. Some teams clinching, others falling short. Seattle's on the field right now against the Chiefs, and I guess technically if they win, they still don't really clinch because of all sorts of tiebreaker rules, but pretty much... They say yes, it's a clinch. But it's a very close game, back and forth. We have early highlights of that and other games around the league. And a look back at the Canucks, who maybe played one of their best games of the year last night, didn't score a goal and obviously didn't win. But we'll take a look back at that as well. That's kind of the year it's been. But I think pretty good first yeah. half so far for that young team. Good effort for sure mm-hmm. last night. All right, thanks. We'll see you guys in a few minutes. Welcome back. Turning overseas now, more than 220 people are dead after a tsunami hit Indonesia without warning last night. Hundreds of homes and boats were damaged or destroyed, and nine hotels suffered damage. Lucy Kafanov has the details. This Indonesian pop band was performing on the beach in western Java last night when the tsunami wave suddenly hit without warning. Sweeping away the stage and audience. In an emotional video message, the lead singer says the bassist and manager both died. Three other band members and his own wife still missing. The tsunami rushed ashore on Saturday night. I was sleeping, this woman says. It hit us at the same time when my son closed the hotel door. No warning, no time to get away because there was no earthquake. Officials say the killer wave was triggered by undersea landslides after the Anak Krakatoa volcano erupted. The volcano lies in the Sunda Strait between Java and the Sumatra Islands, linking the Indian Ocean and Java Sea. There's a warning because you've got an earthquake. In this case, there was no earthquake as such. So there was little that could have been done in this case, and it's just a tragic um, fact of nature. The scale of the devastation, massive. Hotels and beach resorts flattened, roads washed out, vehicles tossed by waves. Rescue teams scrambling to reach survivors, but for too many, it was too late. Indonesia has been hit by a series of natural disasters. A powerful quake in September triggered a tsunami, killing more than 2,500 people. And 14 years ago, the day after Christmas, the deadliest tsunami recorded in history. Nearly 230,000 lives lost. Tonight, hospitals are overwhelmed with victims, while officials fear the death toll could rise even more. Lucy Kafanov, NBC News. 
A man in Paris has died after his car hit a truck at a roadblock put up by yellow vest protesters. Ten people have now died in incidents related to the anti-government demonstrations. Some 2,000 demonstrators marched through the streets of Paris last night. The six-week-long protests have become the worst in the capital since 1968, though they have been dwindling since the president offered tax and salary concessions. U.S. President Donald Trump made another surprise White House staffing announcement today. The president is expediting the departure of his defense secretary, James Mattis. Once Mattis leaves on January 1st, there will be seven White House positions that will either be vacant or filled by someone in an acting capacity. President Trump didn't tell Mattis himself. Instead, according to defense and administration officials, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had to make the call this morning. Afterward, the president made the firing public, tweeting, Deputy Secretary of Defense Patrick Shanahan will assume the title of Acting Secretary of Defense starting January 1st, 2019. Mr. Trump is frustrated, according to several administration sources, specifically at reports which said Mattis was, quote, the last adult in the room. The two were increasingly at odds, but the president's decision to withdraw troops from Syria was the breaking point for the defense secretary. Mattis's resignation letter offered a clear rebuke of the president's worldview, particularly the treatment of NATO allies. Mattis wrote the president deserved a secretary of defense whose views were better aligned with his. The president took a swipe at Mattis Saturday on Twitter, mentioning his previous firing in the Obama administration. Given Mattis's popularity at the Pentagon, other departures may follow. Two people arrested in connection with the drone attack at London's Gatwick Airport have been released. A 47-year-old man and a 54-year-old woman were freed after being picked up Friday for their alleged involvement in the drone chaos. British police say they are no longer suspects in the case, meaning the perpetrators are still at large. The chaos started Wednesday night when drones were seen flying over the airport, disrupting travel plans for hundreds of thousands. And I'm really pleased to say that we responded to that really efficiently and effectively. And that's the, uh, I'm confident that that, um, that arrest was justified. And of course, over the, the last day or so, we have been meticulously investigating their involvement. And I am satisfied now that they are no longer suspects in this investigation. Conditions improved on the Sea to Sky Highway today, but it was white-knuckle chaos last night after heavy snow fell on the region. Snowfall warnings were issued between Squamish and Whistler, with up to 15 centimeters falling on that stretch. Squamish RCMP reported more than two dozen cars in the ditch. While the snow has turned to rain combined with the lower temperatures, it could still make driving hazardous. Yes, it was ugly last night, Yvonne. We got all sorts of calls into the newsroom from drivers up there. Yeah, and really the majority of the snow fell for the overnight and then it changed over to rain. Here's what it currently looks like if you're heading along the sea to sky and it's flurries and it'll be much drier if you're planning on commuting. It's been great though for the Alpine. Whistler over the past 24 hours did see uh, up to 25 centimeters in some of the local mountains with similar amounts as well. Here's a glance at our current tower cam. It's dry out there. We had some active weather. It was really in the morning hours with the wind warnings. They've all ended across 
the island. We're currently sitting at 6 degrees with an easterly wind at 17 kilometres per hour. Our tie today was briefly at 8 degrees. Numbers across the province, Whistler sitting at the freezing mark, Prince George at minus 3. It's chilly for the piece at minus 13 and areas near Prince Rupert currently sitting at 5 degrees. We do have a bit of moisture pushing in. It'll be very light, isolated showers if we do see any, but zooming on out, the big weather story that we're following. A weak ridge of high pressure is actually building across the province. We'll see a nice clearing on the way for Christmas Eve and most areas on our Christmas Day will see some sunshine. It'll not, it's not going to be a white Christmas for us across Metro Vancouver. Interior sections still seeing some flurries throughout the evening hours and if you're heading along the mountain passes it'll ease up. Much easier to travel for tomorrow. Here's a glance at the morning hours. A chance of showers. Most of the sunshine is going to peak out especially for the interior by the afternoon. It should remain dry and that takes us in towards our Christmas day. I check on a few of the other mountain passes. The Rogers Pass, we're still tracking snowfall. We can see the snow falling along the Coquihalla, and there's still an additional five centimeters. Allison Pass, it should stay as flurries. There's a few fog patches for the morning hours, and then sunshine by the afternoon. Lesser amounts, Rogers and Kootenai Pass, arrange between two and up to four centimeters, and that's really for this evening. The piece, we've got the wind chill tomorrow, though, feeling closer to minus 24. A nice dry start, and then some flurries will start to push in by the evening. Whitehorse on and off flurries. The wind chill also into the minus 20s. Chilly for your Christmas day, but dry with a mix of sun and cloud. Along the north coast, we're chill, still tracking some wet weather. Inland sections, it'll be 2 and up to 4 centimeters. It'll be dry once again on your Tuesday throughout much of the day. Caribou and central interior, wind chill for tomorrow, minus 10. A partly cloudy sky over the next two days and then on Boxing Day with an increase in cloud cover, but dry for the next three days. Columbia and Kootenai region, a mix of sun and cloud. Temperatures tomorrow bumping up just above the freezing mark and the tops in Okanagan. We will see more cloud cover for the morning hours, sunshine by the afternoon. Wind chill for the morning, though, feeling closer to minus five. Whistler, the snow is going to ease off, but still a chance of flurries just for the morning hours. Christmas Day will remain dry, but a potential to see some snowfall towards the evening and across the island. A much drier and calmer day will kick in for tomorrow. Tuesday, we'll start off with plenty of sunshine across the south coast, but it's towards the evening hour on our Christmas day that we could see some rain. It'll push in late evening and overnight. That takes us into Boxing Day. Anyone planning on waiting outside on Boxing Day, so far it'll be a wet one, but it looks like it'll clear up towards the evening hour. Temperatures for tomorrow, very pleasant with the sunshine, up to 8 degrees. Jordan? Oh, perfect weather for a Christmas morning walk. Thanks, Yvonne. As we told you earlier, Christmas shoppers are racing to the finish line at stores and shopping malls. They may not know it, but retailers are using more than just sales to get them in the door. Neil McCartney explains. With Christmas just around the corner, we've been hearing holiday music for weeks. It's everywhere, on the radio, the television, and in stores. And when it comes to retail, there's a science behind the music you hear. An opportunity for retailers to get shoppers in the mood to spend. Kip Pegley is with the music program at Queen's University, a guest on The Morning Show. It's called sonic architecture. It leads you into a store. You know when you're walking in a mall and you hear the music coming out? Mm -hmm. The idea is for the music to draw you into that store. And even within certain stores, you're going to have Christmas music that's going to lead you in certain directions. I always think that... uh the music should start December 1st and not way back in November. While many love the seasonal sounds, some find it can have a negative effect. Um, a 2006 study by the American Psychological Association showed that 61% of Americans 
experience stress during the holidays. This is not surprising to any of us. Mm -hmm. But 25% of Americans attributed some of that to the music that they hear over and over again. Uh, right now it's driving me crazy, but you know, on Christmas Day it's good. <laughs> it is the holiday season, I guess. Uh, we just have to live with it. According to Pegley, Christmas music is something you either love or dislike. And if you find the tunes annoying, have sympathy for retail workers, who spend much of their energy tuning out what everybody else is hearing. It actually ends up taking the people who work in the stores more energy to block out the sound that they might be able to give to other facets of their job. But it, it actually takes energy for them to be able to stay sane with all of the sound that's hitting them every day. Sound isn't the only sense retailers use to influence their customers. Some stores are adding to their environment. Holiday scents like pine and cinnamon, for example, hopefully to get their customers to open their wallets. Neil McCartney, Global News, Kingston. All right, ahead of the start of the World Junior Hockey Championship on Boxing Day, South Asian kids took to the center ice today. The teams were coached by trainers and some pros before they hit the ice at the Langley Event Center, all free of charge. Event organizers say they want to engage South Asian youth who may have never played organized hockey before to participate in the sport. So we got uh, from our uh, organization, Apna Hockey, which is the very first South Asian-based ice hockey uh, school. We got players that play on the UBC Thunderbirds in the WHL for Red Deer. We have a female player that got a scholarship to the University of Calgary. So we're just trying to make sure the kids here have good mentors. Actually, this is my first time skating. Um, I'm trying my best. I keep using those kid ones, but it, it's working out. It's yeah, nice when you get the whole ice to yourself. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, one well, in itself. I know they're trying to get South Asian. There's a lot of good South Asian hockey players yep. around here already, so that's good. And speaking of the World Juniors, uh, Canada's playing Finland tonight, 7 o'clock at Rogers. Last tune-up, and then, as you said, they get going on uh, Boxing Day. But going to start off with a little football. On a Sunday. Lots going on. Thanks, Jordan. The uh, Seahawks are going to have to beat some very good teams to have any success in the playoffs. So why not beat one of the best in the league to officially punch your ticket to the chase for the Super Bowl? Right now at CenturyLink Field, Seattle is battling the Kansas City Chiefs, who can clinch the number one seed in the AFC if they beat the Seahawks tonight. Seahawks have been very impressive in prime time over the years. One of the best records of any NFL team, and they were ready tonight. Third and 15, deep in their own end, but Russell Wilson sees some room and takes off. 19-yard scamper for the first down to keep the drive alive, and the Seahawks kept marching. Chris Carson will bowl his way in on the second and third effort from three yards out. Seattle 67 yards on the ground during that opening drive, took a 7-0 lead. That is a perfect start. Second quarter now, 7-3. Chiefs on the move. Patrick Mahomes to Damian Williams. Short TD pass, 10-7 KC. But later, Williams will fumble deep in Kansas City territory. And the Seahawks recover. Seattle's defense is going to have to do that to shut down that high-octane offense. And that leads to this Wilson play action. And he will go to Nick Vanette for the one-yard touchdown pass. And Seattle leads right now late in the second quarter, 14-10. to 10. All right, elsewhere, Eagles and Texans. Philly needing a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. How can't you love Nick Foles? The Super Bowl hero last year has breathed new life into the Eagles since taking over for the injured Carson Wentz. 83-yard bomb here to Nelson Aguilar. 23-16 Eagles after three. 
And then in the fourth, Folds will find tight end Zach Ertz, who makes a couple of great moves and then takes it in for the touchdown. They missed the extra point, but they still led 29-16. But the Texans roar back. Two late touchdowns. The second, Deshaun Watson putting some big air on this end zone heave to Vincent Smith, who just gets the knees down inbounds. Fantastic body control there. Houston leads 30-29 with two minutes to go. But Philly with a last-second chance to win it. Caker Jake Elliott trying to make up for that point-after miss. 35-yarder is good as time runs out and the Eagles are still alive. 32-30 over Houston. The Eagles are 8-7. Even though Texas lost, they did clinch because the Steelers lost later in the day. Vikings and Lions, Minnesota beginning the day in the second wild-card spot in the NFC. Vikings were quiet most of the first half but got two late touchdowns, including this one. Final play of the half, Kirk Cousins, the Hail Mary, and six foot six Kyle Rudolph comes down with it. Rudolph against five defenders, 14-9 Vikings. I guess you would expect someone named Rudolph to have success at this time of year. And they rolled the rest of the way. Cousins and Rudolph one more time. Minnesota goes to 8-6-1 after the 27-9 win. A win next week for the Vikings, and they are in the playoffs. Cowboys and Bucks, Dallas with a chance to clinch the NFC East with a victory. Defense comes up large in the first half. They force the fumble on Tampa Bay quarterback Jameis Winston. Jalen Smith scoops it, then hoofs it. 69 yards the other way for the touchdown. 17-3 Dallas at the half, or 17-13 rather, Dallas at the half. Third quarter, Zach Prescott will find Michael Gallup, the rookie, four-yard touchdown. Dallas, not exactly impressive, but they got the job done. 27-20 over Tampa, so the Cowboys win the NFC East. They're the fourth team to clinch a playoff spot in the NFC. Bears and 49ers, Chicago already playoff bound, still with a chance to clinch a first-round bye. And in the second, Mitch Trubisky to Anthony Miller for the four-yard touchdown. 7-6 for the Bears. San Francisco, though, put up a good fight like they did against Seattle last week when they beat them in overtime. This time, uh, Jordan Howard bowls in for the game-winning touchdown. 14-9 Chicago. They hang on for their 11th win of the year. They could still get a first-round bye with a win next week and a Rams loss. Steelers and Saints. New Orleans trying to clinch the top seed in the NFC. The Steelers still trying to clinch the AFC North. Third quarter, Steelers' dynamic duo of Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown go to work. Roethlisberger with a 20-yard touchdown strike to Brown. Second of the quarter, Pittsburgh led 28-24, but Drew Brees will answer late fourth. He hits Michael Thomas at the goal line. Now, originally they said no touchdown. It did look like he was short, but they review it, and you can see on the replay... Makes the catch, breaks the plane of the goal line, so it is a touchdown, 31-28. The Saints have the lead, but Pittsburgh with time to respond. Roethlisberger to Juju Smith-Schuster, makes the catch, but then fumbles. He was in field goal range, but the Saints recover. New Orleans wins. They clinch the number one seed. The Steelers now 8-6-1, are in real danger of missing the playoffs. They need to win next week and hope the Ravens lose to Cleveland. And we've got Patriots and Bills. New England yet to clinch the division. They could do so today. Second quarter, James White busts this one. 27-yard touchdown run. Just dives inside that cone. Patriots at the half. Tom Brady had a quiet day. The Pats offense not as uh, 
high octane as it used to be. But how about this play by Julian Edelman? Stayed on the tackler's legs there, so technically not down. Goes in for the touchdown, 24-12 the finals to New England. Now 10-5, gets the win, clinched the division for the 10th straight year, and they now have a chance to get a first-round bye. Welcome back. The Canucks hit the Christmas break a game under 500, but you'd have to say it's been a very promising first half for this young team. They had that bad skid in November when they had the rash of injuries coupled with poor goaltending. Other than that, there have been many positives. Elias Pettersson, Jake Vertanen, gritty team play, just to name a few. Will they make the playoffs? I'm saying probably not, but they are trending upward and I think faster than many people thought they would. Last night, Bo Horvat and the Canucks played a fantastic game against the conference-leading Jets. They had so many chances but could not beat uh, Brassois, the goaltender for the Jets, who had his first-ever career shout-out. Laurent Brassois is from Surrey. Bertanen missed the net, and then another young player, Adam Gaudet, is stopped. Third period, late. Jets finally break down the Canucks. Mark Scheifele, the one-timer, beats Markstrom. His 22nd with just 92 seconds left. In the final seconds, Josh Levo had a chance to tie it. Gets the tip in front, but Brassois makes the save. As mentioned, first career shutout for the Surrey boy. 40 saves. The Canucks deserve better. Canucks now get a four days off for Christmas. They return December 27th at Edmonton. NHL tonight, Leafs and Wings from Toronto. William Nylander still looking for his first goal since his return after the contract holdout. Second period, 2-1 Detroit and rookie Christopher N. That's his first NHL goal. It's a beauty. The backhander past Garrett Sparks, but the Leafs fight back. Morgan Riley, the West Van boy, continues to pile up the points. That's his 13th of the year, but check out the play by Tavares to pass it over to him. Riley, by the way, up to 44 points on the season, leads all defensemen 12th in the entire league. It's tied mid-third. Bruins nice and Hurricanes Christmas from Raleigh. The Canes going with the vintage Hartford Whalers jerseys. They moved to Raleigh from Hartford back in 97. Has it been that long? And off the rush, Sebastian Ajo will score to give Carolina a 3-2 lead. And then Tuka Rask having some problems behind his net. The Canes steal it, and eventually Tiago Teravainen fires it in, the second shorthander of the game for the Canes, who beat the Bruins. 5-3. to three. And we've got some EPL Sunday. Tottenham with a chance to gain ground on Man City who lost yesterday. Spurs came to play, but Everton literally couldn't get out of its own way. Collision between the keeper and defender. Son Heung-min takes full advantage to tie it. Everton keeper Jordan Pickford had a tough day. Makes the save, but the rebound on the foot of Delhi Ali to make it 3-1 Spurs. Tottenham got all the bounces today. The clearing header again right to a spur. Christian Eriksen drills it in to make it 4-1. Harry Kane also had a productive day. Two goals, including this one. 6-2 the final. Tottenham now just two points behind second place Man City and six back of front-running Liverpool. It's a very busy time for the EPL. They yeah. play four times over two weeks in the Christmas season. Great. Here's a look at your snow report for today with lots of fresh snow. Whistler Blackcomb with 18 new centimeters, Grouse 30, Cypress 25, Sasquatch 23 new centimeters, Revelstoke with 20 new centimeters, Fernie with a base of 150, Manning Park 11 new centimeters, and Whitewater with a base of 172. Big White with 6 new centimeters, Silver Star 7, Sun Peaks 2. Kicking Horse with 5 new centimeters, Mount Washington 48 new centimeters of snow, Powder King with 8 new centimeters and a base of 175.
Finally tonight, for many, Christmas is all about being home for the holidays, and you can see that best at the airport right now, any airport. Here's Global's Travis Lowe in Kelowna. AC-1693 from Toronto touches down at YLW this morning a little early, but with the busy holiday travel season and all, that's not a bad thing. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. It's Christmas time at the Kelowna Airport and people are coming and going home for the holidays. It's the human story of Christmas for many, being with family over the Yuletide. Witness Ken Adams and his family from Salmon Arm, all waiting for... My sister, my brother and my brother-in-law, they just flew in from Australia. It's a joyous Christmas for the Adams. So all my other families in back in Australia, so it's important for me to see them. A family reunion that's been a while in the making. Children haven't seen them for about three years and I haven't seen them for over 12 months. Ken's older brother Wally, happy to see his arrival getting the proper media coverage that it deserves. Hello news. And for the clearly Canadian welcome. First time I've ever seen snow in my life. Naturally, I followed him outside for his first taste of winter. 62 years I waited to see snow and had to be in Kelowna, Canada. Look at that. Beautiful stuff. Look at that. Doubling down on the down under, Tammy Sui greets her mother and father. Well, I live in Australia um, and uh, just coming home for Christmas. Tammy's dad, happy to pick up her bag. Yeah, we look forward to seeing her. And have her home for the holidays. But waiting patiently for a loved one's Christmas return, not just a human trait. Sure, Barb Andrean's Christmas is complete now that her middle son Scott is home. This is our first Christmas together the whole family, all the kids, in about three years. But just watch Hugo the Labradoodle's reaction to seeing Scott walk off the plane. Hi, buddy. A gift in itself. He likes the camera. Home for the holidays because everything at Christmas revolves around it. Travis Lowe, Global News. Oh, that's great. Is Happy he going to see more snow while he's here? Yes, he will see more snow. That uh, story also reminded me a little bit of the holiday movie Love Actually. Yes. For any of those who haven't seen it, it's kind of like that. The beginning is the airport scene. But yes, uh, into the Okanagan, uh, should see some more snow. But uh, for us across Metro Vancouver, we'll actually be back into some sunny breaks tomorrow. If we see any showers, it'll be very isolated and light. And for Christmas Day so far, we've got some sunshine. Excellent. Merry Christmas. Yes. Happy holidays from us on the weekend team. And Hope to see you at 11. We're back with more news, weather, and sports then. Good night.